Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. David Raiklin is a producer, composer, songwriter, host, crowdfunder. He began studying keyboard and composing at the tender age of five, and he wrote, directed, and scored his first film at age nine. Well, he must have been an old man by that time. Age nine, that's amazing. (laughs) David studied composition at USC and Cal Arts, later teaching at those universities. Among his mentors are Oscar winner John Williams and Pulitzer Prize winner Mel Powell. David works for Fox, Sony, Disney, Sprint, Mattel, Warner Brothers, and PBS. In addition to many independent producers, he's scored hundreds of films, television shows, video games, and live events, winning multiple awards, including an American Music Center grant, three Telly Awards, and gold medal. And Carol, I understand David has been donating music composition to your film grant for many years, right? Yes, he does. And David, you do such an incredible job creating music for our grant winners. We really thank you for that and for joining us today. Oh, you're welcome. It's a thrill to to be on with you and with Claire and to let people know about the amazing things that the the grant can do and some of the projects we've been working on. Exactly. There's a lot we want to cover today. So we want to talk about roles of music and films and music and editing, finding a composer. That's where a lot of people need some advice, budgeting Mm -hmm. for music, licensing songs, and even a timeline for music. So uh, let's get started with the various roles of music and films. Well, that's a great question, and it's a part of the filmmaking process that, to some extent, is uh, the most flexible one where it can be adapted to whatever the needs of that particular producer, director, and film subject are. Uh, The role of music can be to elevate the picture and create something that's truly memorable out of all of the many elements that go into making that movie. Music can be a unifying force, or it can be a very subtle and invisible presence that enhances a moment here, helps a segue there, but it's very subtle and and straightforward. Um, There's music that can help in the creative process of other departments where uh, its role is to inspire the people who are are making the movie. Uh, For example, I've worked with directors where they actually play music that I've composed based on the script on the set to help set the mood and the pace of the action for the actors. And, uh, 
music can also be composed during the editing process to help the editor to create the the cuts and the rhythm and make the film flow naturally. Or uh, music can be a big um, last step that when all the elements are are together as, as best uh, that everyone can do, then you bring in the, the composer to try and uh, put in those final finishing touches. Music can uh, get very specific. For example, a, a, a role of music in uh, a film that travels to different times and places can be to establish the time and place. Uh, for example, if uh, we're going to uh, Scotland, then the Highland bagpipes say Scotland in one second. And you don't need an establishing <laughs> shot uh, or uh, title cards or anything. In one second, the music will tell you where you are. Or if uh, you're going to be in a uh, in a nightclub, then having uh, a jazz piano trio playing will people even before the, the camera pans over the nightclub that that's where you're located and uh, then there's you know things that can't be said that are uh, possible in the language of music like uh, she loves him but because of her political position she can't say so but the music can say so now uh Actors can communicate a lot with their eyes and a lot with uh, lighting and subtext, but sometimes the, the best way to convey a relationship is through music if you can't speak about it. And that's one of the, uh, the wonderful things about movies is that it's life with all the boring parts cut out. So... People don't need to uh, gradually learn about who each other are. You can get tossed right into the middle of a, of a relationship. But to make that work, music can help tell us what the characters are thinking and feeling in an instant. Sure, you could have them say, I love you, but sometimes it, it, it's better especially if the characters already have an established loving relationship, if instead of them saying it, you show it. And the fastest way to show it is through music. And there's other ways to express relationships too, but I'm just giving you a, a wide variety of roles. And then, of course, perhaps the most obvious uh, role of music is to make things sound larger than life. If you want your character or location or situation to seem at great epic importance, then great epic music is your fastest and most direct way to tell people that that's what's going on. Yes. Well, that would be some of Spielberg's work with that. Uh, well, um, or any summer those, blockbuster. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, you one time we did an event, and you showed us, uh, and that a lot of filmmakers, uh, the um, clip from Psycho, where 
um, she is driving the car. She's stolen the money. She's driving the car. She's going down the highway, and she's worried if she's being followed. Janet mm-hmm. Lay, isn't that who the star was? Yes, yes. And uh, it was an incredible thing because we saw her, and she's looking in the mirror. So she's looking in the mirror, and she's looking at the road and looking in the mirror. But when you put the music to it, my stomach went really tight. I got very scared. Yes. Well, that's because the music is playing what can't be said. Uh, Janet Lee stole money. You know, her character uh, works in uh, a business, and she's just stolen money and is uh, running away. But she can't say that. Uh, so <laughs> right. I just stole a bunch of money and I'm running away. I mean, that would that would not only be uh, stupid, it would be, uh, you know, comical. So uh, how are we right. going to tell the audience that uh, this is what's going on? Well... That's what the music is for. And it was planned that way. Uh, there are many other movies that do it, but Hitchcock was very clever about uh, his storytelling. And he knew that each department could take the lead, could help tell the story in very specific ways. And uh, that was uh, partly because of the way he came up through the, the system, is that he didn't start out wanting to be a director. He started out actually writing title cards and, and silent movies. So he learned how all the departments work together. So uh, you know, he knew how to use camera. Another great Hitchcock uh, example, and we could go for, with other uh, directors too, is uh, in Rear Window, where the, uh, an entire establishing sequence is silent, and it's done without actors. And it's the camera gradually panning around the interior of Jimmy Stewart's apartment. Now, you'd think that it couldn't be much more boring a sequence than having a camera slowly pan around somebody's apartment. But it's where the camera stops. And you see that, oh, okay, uh, there's a picture of his girlfriend. And, oh, there's a picture of uh, an award that he won. And you gradually start to see what his life is about in little bits of what's lying around the guy's apartment. And it's highly entertaining because, uh, you know, it's like, oh, this person has an interesting apartment and what's going on in there? I never thought about that. But it's a very uh, effective cinematic technique and it also sets up that the film is about voyeurism you know it's about uh snooping in on somebody else's business and how that could actually get you into a lot of serious trouble but uh but he makes it fun at the beginning so yeah uh going back to uh the psycho uh he also uh hitchcock does that uh, that technique of letting music take the lead in the shower sequence, where uh, it's all in yes. silence. You know, the murder mm-hmm. actually happens without any, there's no dialogue. You see uh, Janet Lee's mouth moving like she's screaming, but there's actually no screaming or, or any uh, production sound on that sequence. It, it's, 
made more horrific by letting the audience imagine what's going on. And again, the music is what takes the lead there because it stimulates us to imagine what's going on in the character's mind. Something that you could do with a voiceover. You could have the voiceover saying, oh, I'm really scared. I'm really being attacked. I don't know what to do. But again, you know, that would be stupid and and perhaps even comical to have the characters say what they're thinking in those circumstances. But if the music tells us what's going on, then it's a much more subtle way of doing it. Even if the music is very loud and bombastic, it's still way more subtle than having people talk to us about those things. So uh, it really is part of the language of how films tell stories. And this is, uh, it goes double for documentaries. You know, uh, Michael Moore is terrific at using music in his documentaries. And because he's so uh, persuasive and famous, he's able to license cues from major motion pictures that, he puts in his movies. So if he wants to show someone who's uh, acting um, in his opinion, Michael Moore's opinion, grandiose and pretentious, he gets grandiose epic music from some famous movie, and he plays it in that scene. And it, it, again, it, he could just say, I think this guy is acting grandiose and pretentious. But instead, he can just show the guy with that music, and it makes the same statement, but in a, a much more cinematic and creative way, because now instead of it looking like he's um, saying bad things about that person, instead he's making um, a musical cinematic joke out of the situation. And uh, there's other examples, many, many other examples, too, but that uh, this it comes to mind uh, with Fahrenheit 9-1-1 and uh, oh, from his uh, recent one uh, with uh, Where to Invade Next. And, yes. Uh, he uses music to establish the places that you've never been before are inviting and helps you be comfortable with them. Again, uh, you know, in documentaries, we're often talking about subjects and topics and, and witnesses that we've never seen or heard before and that may even be a little uncomfortable or off-putting. And music can help take some of the edge off of that. So instead of making the audience uncomfortable, which will greatly reduce the number of people who have seen your message, you may want people to think about the subject, but you want them to actually be thinking about it instead of thinking, oh, this is uncomfortable and I'm going to not pay attention at all. <laughs> it, it, uh, that's something we have to be very careful about. If it's a difficult subject, you have to find a way to take enough of the edge off of it so people will actually watch it. Because if it's really an important subject and people don't want to talk about it or see it, then we need to find effective ways to make it acceptable for people to watch it. You know, it's sort of like um, the the wise fool in Shakespeare that, uh, you know, he has the, uh, the jester who uh, 
provides comic relief say the things that the other characters dare not say because they might get in big trouble or even be killed for, for saying those things. So even centuries ago, uh, great dramatists understood that if you have something difficult to say, you need to leaven it with humor and make it uh, more acceptable. And I know there's people who won't agree with me and say that, you know, uh, people have to see the ugly face of reality. And, and maybe that's true uh, some of the time. But it, we were talking about roles of music, and that's one of the things that music can help, because taking a topic that's uh, difficult on, on different levels. Well, for example, when I'm doing science documentaries, uh-huh. and, you know, these are for the general public. And uh, we're talking about uh, cloning or uh, about uh, space research, or uh, a wonderful film that you uh, helped connect me to, the, uh, the wonderful uh, producer and, uh, and director of Heist, uh, Francis Cossie. Uh, uh, she was making an amazing movie about a financial crisis, going into the details of how the financial system works. And music was key player in that because when you're talking about mathematics and about uh, regulations and uh, a nuts and bolts of how the system works, that's really important information. But uh, we would use animation and music to make presentation entertaining. And in that sense, it's... Uh, a little bit like doing um, children's television, which I've also done, where uh, <laughs> you're educating the kids, but you have to entertain them at the same time, and that's your job. It's right. not just to educate them, it's also to entertain them. And you can't, you know, spend too much time doing just one or the other. You have to make the education entertaining. Well, your music made that film so good. I saw it with Francis when they did a screening up in Santa Barbara. And it was a standing ovation. They loved the film. And what what your music did was it gave us time to, there was something heavy and then heavy and then light. And then we had a chance to totally relax because everyone was sitting there thinking, oh, my heavens, yes, they did that. Oh, great, Scott, they did that too. And then you finally are so upset that, uh, and you get to laugh, and it worked out so that there was a balance, particularly because um, he, the filmmaker added uh, what to do to solve the problem. At the end of it, he had a lot of solutions for us. But your music... <laughs> kept us uh, from <laughs> from going ballistic in there because it was a lot of things over 20 years that were planned and happened where our unions were um, moved from, what is it, a huge percentage of the people were unionized down to maybe 4% of, the pub, uh, of us have unions now. So mm-hmm. it was shocking information. You, you did a marvelous job. Uh, thank you. Well, that was a very interesting and fun thing to uh, plan out. The uh, the section where Elizabeth Warren, and this was before she went into politics, so uh, I feel very uh, proud and happy that I got to work with Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders before oh. they became really famous on, on that uh, yes. amazing project. 
so I got to you know write music for Elizabeth and for for Bernie uh, back in uh, uh, the days before they uh, you know were running for president and they become senators and become uh, celebrities. But they were just as great then as they were now. It's just that uh, I'd like to think we played a small role in helping to promote their great wisdom and uh, their wonderful personalities to a wider audience through the medium of film. And when uh, Elizabeth Warren is giving a a lecture at Harvard about the history of the working class going from uh, the 1930s with the New Deal up to the destruction of much of the New Deal by the uh, Bush administration and uh, the the 2000s, well, that's 70 years of, of history that she's covering there. So uh, it's wonderful and interesting material, but how do you make that entertaining in a movie? So what we did was uh, we kept morphing the music. So in the 1930s section, the music was more 1930s, and the 40s was more 40s, and you know, uh, so on through the, the decades, the, the music kept evolving. So the audience would feel like they were getting a taste of those different eras instead of that dry academic, here's the fact, here's the fact. For just a moment, we were in that era. So it made that whole section entertaining as well as informative. And then, of course, uh, there were, were uh, little light moments where we just played it for, for comedy because uh, that's what you have to do when you're telling a story. And I think that uh, that's one of the great things about uh, documentary filmmaking is that uh, we've owned that we're filmmakers and we're storytellers and that it's not 100% objective, that uh, there can be the element uh, of entertainment. And uh, I actually went to uh, a lot of festivals and ended up on the New York Film Critics Top 10 list. And uh, we got reviewed in Variety, and you know I thought that was pretty good for a documentary about uh, banking laws. It's something that you don't want to listen to, but when you do, you find it. It's an important thing. It's historical, and it was educational. Well, yes, but uh, and now uh, I understand you're working on Space Command. Tell us what that's all about. Space Command is a series of epic adventures in a hopeful future we can all be a part of. It's science fiction with a heart, science fiction with a vision of people working together to solve our problems. And yes, there are problems and serious issues that people have to deal with in the future, but we're trying to project ways that we can be our best selves and solve our problems together and even in, in a crisis where uh, people can uh, choose between uh, a course that's destructive and, and one that's constructive. And we have an amazing team. And uh, this is something I tell people all the time, that filmmaking is a collaborative art. And uh, the single best piece of advice I can give anyone on any project is the team is the theme. You're always about putting together the best group of people that you possibly can. Not necessarily the most famous or the most expensive, but the people who 
get along together and who understand the story and who will take it to a higher level through their individual contribution and through their ability to work with others to, to be better. And on Space Command, our team is pretty amazing. And actors, we have Doug Jones, who was Pan and Pan's Labyrinth. We have Bruce Boxleitner, who was uh, Tron and Tron. We have uh, Mike Carney, who uh, won the SAG Award last year for Orange is the New Black. We have uh, Robert Ricardo, who was uh, the holographic doctor in uh, uh, Star Trek Voyager. Uh, behind the, uh, we have Bill Mooney, who was uh, all the way back in Lost in Space as uh, the uh, little Will Robinson, but now is uh, a very accomplished actor. So uh, we have uh, a bunch of new actors who won a, uh, a contest. We set up an audition process where anyone in the world could audition for two of the major roles in the, uh, in the upcoming series. And so we have new people working with the experienced stars. And the same thing behind the camera. Our visual effects supervisor, uh, Ron Thornton, won Emmys for Battlestar Galactica and uh, Walking Dead and all these uh, major shows. Uh, our character designer is Ian McCaig, who is the character designer for Harry Potter and for Star Wars The Force Awakens. We have uh, a sound designer who worked on um, major movies like Speed. Our uh, team up and down uh, the, from top to bottom are people who have excelled and doing major studio-type projects, but who wanted to do something where there's a hopeful vision of the future, where instead of tomorrow being uh, a corporate dystopia or uh, a zombie apocalypse, we wanted to show a world where things are better and uh, where people solve their problems using nonviolent means whenever possible. But we also wanted it to be full of action and adventure. So... Uh, I actually helped raise the money for this. Uh, we raised oh. about a quarter million dollars on Kickstarter to get this started, and uh, we now actually have the trailer for this uh, and uh, the opening sequence. We've shot the whole film, we've edited it, and uh, now we're um, gradually adding visual effects, which are very expensive and time-consuming, to uh, to complete the. Uh, the visual effects portion, and then the, the film will be done. As I said, it's already been shot and edited, and I've even composed quite a bit of the music. And you can see the latest trailer uh, if you go to Space Command Movie. So, yes, I love documentaries, and I do them all the time, and uh, I'm uh, even uh, working on a new project now, possibly with the Library of Congress. But uh, I also do fictional storytelling as well. And, uh, well... There's other projects that I can't talk about, but Space Command is the one we just showed at the Comic-Con. Uh, audience went just uh, tumultuous applause. Uh, we did a signing afterwards in the line, the crowd, to, to sign, uh, get our signatures with, around the block. That was uh, that was wonderful. But, but you can see it, too, at, at Space Command Movie. Space Command Movie. Okay, dot com. Yeah, dot com. Or just uh, oh, Google great. Space Command Movie. And uh, we also have a YouTube channel where we've got uh, 
like 121 videos up that uh, is showing you uh, all the steps along the way, which you can, you know, hunt through if you'd like. And again, if uh, you, you watch uh, some episode because you're interested in how this visual effect was done or how this prop was done or, you know, uh, meeting James Hong on the set or whatever, uh, who's been in 600 movies. Uh, and, uh, well, the, the interviews are wonderful, but I also scored all of those uh, featurettes. Wow. What a job you're doing marketing your film. That's, that has to be another uh, show with us. I mean, you, first of all, raising $250,000 on Kickstarter, that is a do-or-die situation. You had to really do a lot of promotion and, and marketing before you ran that sh- uh, that Kickstarter, right? Oh, absolutely, yes. Uh, in fact, it was our preparation that made the success possible. Now, I've since gone on and uh, I've actually helped people raise over a million dollars online for various projects that range from small documentaries to museums to helping uh, handicapped people get uh, education. It's uh, quite a amazing time we live in where it's possible to go to people directly. But to go to them directly, you have to know where they are. You have to know how to contact the people interested in whatever you're doing and that's why the preparation is so important because it's getting those mailing lists physical and emailing lists and learning about your your audience I mean really learning about them in a way that uh, studio filmmakers at TV game have very little direct contact with their audience that's gradually changing but if you're going to go through the online world, then you need to interact on a daily basis with your fans. And each person that you interact with is a potential new fan because they might even be interested in it but not realize it because it's never been presented to them in an entertaining way before. So uh, that's, that's what that's brilliant. funding all about. <laughs> Yes, you need to interact daily with uh, your with your potential fans who become fans, and that's how you can raise that kind of money. That is brilliant. Well, all right, we uh, we have so much to cover, so let's go back to let's talk about the editing process. But wait, before we go to the editing process, just tell us how we can reach you for people who would really like to talk to you about music and film. Yes, I'm happy to give a free consult to anybody. Uh, wherever you are in the world, and I've worked with people in South Africa, Australia, and the uh, former Soviet republics, as well as over the United States and South America. So yeah, you can uh, contact me, David, at spacecommandstudios.com. That's David at spacecommandstudios.com. Or you can find me and friend me on Facebook or send me a message. I'm uh, David Raiklin. D-A-V-I-D-R-A-I-K-L-E-N on Facebook. Uh, also, if you want to hear uh, some samples of my work, you can uh, go to my website, davidraiklen.com, D-A-V-I-D-R-A-I-K-L-E-N.com, and go to music for some instant gratification. Okay, great. Uh, thank you very much for that. Now let's talk about the editing process and how it works with films. Oh, yes. Well, 
talk. This is one of the times that I really like to be brought into uh, the, the process when we uh, talk about when it can music be brought in. It can be brought in at absolutely any time. But one of my favorite times to be brought in is when the editing process is beginning because so many editors and directors and, and producers like to have temp music. And this could be songs or it could be scores from uh, other soundtracks or it could be uh, music that they like to listen to uh, on their uh, iPhone or whatever, but that's usually when music starts to get put into the process. And this is when we can actually do something that's original, unique, and specific to the film that we're making. I will score the temp. I create a library of music based on the dailies, on the general direction, there's a musical vision. I'll create cues that the editor can start working with. So already there's a organic relationship between the rhythms and the tonalities and the themes of the soundtrack with the rhythm and tonality of of the show itself. And then some of that will remain and some of it will change through the editing process. But, uh, for example, I just worked on a psychological thriller called uh, Coconut. And I actually wrote so much temp music for them to, to edit to that they ended up actually keeping the temp score. And that's now the final score to it. So that, that shows you how important it is to get your music into the process when you're editing. If you want to edit dry with no music, that's fine, too. Uh, there, there's some editors who like to just look at the image and create a uh, rhythm from the cuts and from the rhythm of the actor's dialogue, and uh, there's a, uh, a musicality that's kind of implicit in the way that they're cutting the film. Others uh, want to cut with music, and it's if you're going to cut with music, my suggestion is have the composer create temp music for you. So what you're cutting to is specific for your film. Right. That makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Well, um, th- that brings me to a question I wanted to ask you, because sometimes uh, I've had people tell me that it is it's better for the film and it's more economically feasible to hire a musician to compose the music for your film rather than to be spending the money to buy uh, songs or music that's already made because it gets so expensive. Yes, it does. Uh, well, there's, uh, there's a dark side to pimping a film with other people's soundtrack and other people's songs. And like all dark sides, it's a little unpleasant to talk about, but let's go there for a minute because uh, we can handle the nitty-gritty reality that if you love 
Adele and you put one of Adele's songs in your soundtrack, you are probably going to have your heart broken when you find out how expensive it is to get that Adele song. And if you're attempting with music from a major soundtrack, a film that had a $200 million budget, which means that they had around 4 or $5 million just for the music. Think about that. They spent 4 or $5 million, which is probably bigger than the budget of many of our filmmakers' entire production, just on the music. And now you want the composer to match that or surpass it. Well, that's not a reasonable request. That's getting off into uh, heartbreak land because it's never going to sound the same as that multi-million dollar budget. You know, sometimes they overspend on things, but not that much. The reason why it sounds awesome is because they put that much into it. And if someone fakes that, yeah, you can get away with faking the sound of a multi-million dollar budget for a few thousand dollars for a few minutes. And that's about it. Then it starts to wear thin, and it starts to sound cheap and fake. And the, the worst part about it, and this is, you know, they talk about uh, uh, the, uh, the facts on the ground, the audience is actually smarter than many filmmakers give them credit for. The audience can tell when something is cheap. And they may not care if it's cheap, because if it's like a comedy or if it's some uh, a guilty pleasure show where the production values are, are really not the, the point, it's, uh, it's about uh, the attitude, et cetera, then, uh, then sure, that's fine. But uh, you can't count on that, that you're going to be the, uh, the show where uh, the, the cheap or fake qualities are considered to be part of the charm. I think we have to do our best to make things sound real and well-crafted and like we respect the audience and that uh, instead of having a fake orchestra or a sound-alike to uh, a band, that we're going to have an original song that's written for that movie by an up-and-coming band that has people in it who are maybe and even more talented than the, than the famous band, but just aren't famous yet, and who are willing and able to write something that's specific for your movie. And I know lots of singer-songwriters who would love to break into movies or have some experience, but who want to have more. And that's going to be better for your film. Now, uh, there are exceptions. If you've got a project that's uh, not a topic or uh, has uh, a personal relationship with a famous artist. It could be an actor, it could be a musician, it could be uh, a designer, someone who has a, a following of, of some size, then they may do it as a passion project. So you might get um, all uh, what might be your a good example. Uh, you might get someone to license a hit song for a 
very low amount of money, you know, uh, say uh, $500 or $1,000, which is very low, by the way, for uh, for licensing uh, a song that has any kind of uh, chart placement or sales or internet user from a band that has any kind of uh, following either in concerts or, or on YouTube, they're going to charge you $1,000 or two. And, you know, in a 90-minute movie, you're going to have uh, 40 or 50 music cues often. That's going to be, you know, assuming you can even license all of them, that would be uh, $40,000 right there, which is a you know pretty significant chunk. I can guarantee you that you'll get a really good Specific, professional, emotional, dynamic, interactive soundtrack for forty or fifty thousand dollars. And perhaps uh, for quite a bit less than that. So, my suggestion is that if you want a license, great. But start with songs that you can afford, with bands that you can afford, get original things that you possibly can. You know, that's what movies do a lot of the time. Uh, I'm pretty sure that people have uh, heard a, a popular song called Happy, which was commissioned for a movie, A Miserable Me, or Despicable Me. And A Despicable Me had a huge budget, and they could afford to hire uh, Pharrell Williams to write songs for them. And that sounds like it's a perfect fit to the movie, and it is. It's also a great hit song. But what people don't know is that several other songwriters were also hired to write that same song, you know, uh, try different song ideas that had to be fully produced. And uh, the filmmakers paid paid them well, like ten, twenty thousand dollars to create a song that they didn't use in the movie. And Harold tried several times. It was his eighth song. He submitted eight different songs to them before Happy got accepted. So that gives you an idea of how that process actually works. The when you hire someone to write a song for your movie, it's a little bit like uh, getting an actor on board that you're not expecting, unless you're doing you know, a soap opera thing or a found footage kind of uh, uh, production, you're going to get everything right in the first take. But they're going to have to try several times to get the, the part just right. And the same thing is going to happen with the songwriter. So, yeah, uh, you, if you can license the song at a sweetheart deal, then go ahead and put it in there. If you have a personal relationship with the band, that's Mm -hmm. better. Have them write something specific for you. Right. Oh, I think that's so much better. And there's so many great young uh, musicians or great bands emerging. that That's a lot more fun to get involved with them. But explain to us how... Um, this music rights world works because I've had filmmakers tell me about this uh, 
And they say that if you call one company, call, say you call Sony, and they say it's 10000 for that song, and they call someone else, and they say, oh, it's 5000 for this uh, for this song from our company. But if you want to buy both of those, you're going to pay 10000 to each person. So how, how does that work? Is that right? Well, uh, it's right in the – it's true. In terms of right and wrong, well, you know, uh, it's uh, – Whatever the market will bear. Uh, we're talking now about uh, music supervision. That's the um, the title, job title that this comes under. And it's a very time-consuming job that's also a super people person kind of job. Uh, music supervisors, and I do a little bit of music supervising, but if it's anything that's really big time, I bring in my friends who do it all day, every day. Their job is to have personal relationship on a first-name basis with the decision-makers at all the music publishing houses of any size, large and medium and even some of the small ones. And that's hundreds of people who are in very busy jobs, and developing a relationship with them takes time. And I'm talking about years. And there are exceptions where, you know, directors and producers have been able to develop relationships and get sweetheart deals. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's so much better, especially if you're trying to license multiple songs like you're talking about, because the companies do talk to each other. And nobody wants to feel like they're getting taken advantage of. And these companies are in the business of making as much money as they possibly can off of each song. So as soon as they hear that somebody is licensing music for a movie, they find out about it and they, they tell their friends about it. You know, their friends who are other publishing executives. So there's a coordination and the contract actually will have clauses in them that require that you pay the same rate to the different publishers. So even if they don't know that you're licensing song X from uh, their competitor, they'll have it in the license deal that they have to be getting paid the same rate. And also, uh, the the rates for even moderately well-known songs can be very high. If, if you've heard it on the, the radio or it's got a million hits on YouTube or you know, some moderate level of notoriety, and, and remember that you know on, on YouTube you can get a billion hits or two billion hits. So a million hits really not that much. They're going to charge $10,000, $20,000 to license that song. And, you know, if it's really a famous song, you know, if it's happy or whatever, you know, something by a famous artist, they're going to charge you hundreds of thousands of dollars for song. Whereas if you're going with a rising band, the film can rise with the band. Because the band, will, if you've chosen well, get more followers and they will tell their followers, their fans about the project it's a big deal for them. If you're licensing a, a song from a famous artist, then they're not going to have the time or the interest to do much about promoting your film. Unless it's uh, a huge motion picture where they've been commissioned to uh, to write a song and where they've you know been given a budget of uh, a million dollars to shoot a music video. 
spend uh, spend time on you know promoting your film. But uh, again, if you have a personal relationship with the artist and they love you and they love your topic, then famous artists will help promote your film. But you're going to get more cooperation and you know more actual traction with the with the fans. If you're dealing with a rising band that's actively touring, that's building an audience that really wants to and sees working on uh, your film as a, a big opportunity for them. Right. <clears throat> that makes a lot of sense. Thank you, David. Well, <clears throat> let me just uh, ask you. I know that we got an intro from you for our uh, our show, our blog talk show. That that music at the beginning is uh, something you composed, and so you do have already composed intros and outros for people if they're interested. Besides doing entire films, you do have some music already designed that they could purchase. Is that right? Oh yeah, I have a, a music library, and no project is too big or too small. I do uh, commercials and uh, web series, theme parks, video games television, uh, museum exhibits, live plays, musicals, interactive, giant projections, site-specific art events. Uh, that was an amazing thing that we did a couple of years ago where uh, we took over two blocks of Beverly Hills and turned the buildings into giant screens using giant projectors and had live music and dancers in front of the uh Pacific Design Center. So uh, if you've got a project, I'm interested in hearing about it, and we'll work out something that makes it cool and is affordable. Oh, my yes, gosh, Dave, that's fantastic. I also want to mention um, that, that, David, your wonderful guitar music is our intro to the show. Yes. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah. You guys... Uh, have a, a wonderful show. This is a, a great resource for filmmakers, plus it's entertaining. And uh, Thank you. Tell me what you wanted, and uh, I'm so happy that you still like it. <laughs> oh, yeah, we love it. Well, just in closing, um, can you just tell us what is the timeline for music? Well, the timeline for music is based on how you like to work. So, uh I can be brought into script stage and help develop concepts. And uh, if it's uh, going to have a song in it, then I can write the song or I bring on collaborators to uh, write the song. Uh, or uh, I can be brought on the uh, editing phase and uh, create original temp music, or I can be brought on at the end after things have uh, gotten into a, a rough or even a fine cut. Uh, uh, Generally, we want to uh, allow at least uh, a feature film. And it's very, very important to me. Uh, it's a matter of personal integrity that I always bring live musicians. So, you know, the guitar that you're hearing, that's not a fake guitar. That's a real guitar in, in your, your intro. And even though Heist had a, a, a low budget, we got a, a real electric orchestra to, to play that thrilling action music and uh, same thing on Space Command. It's uh, a larger-than-life adventure, so we found a way to put together a, a small orchestra and make them sound safe. So uh, oh, that's one thing I want is to make clear about uh, the budget requirements is that uh, 
Yes, we can work on any budget, but there has to be a little bit of money to bring in a live human collaborating musician. Absolutely. Nobody does <laughs> I'm it so alone. Glad. <laughs> right. Nobody does it alone. It's a group effort. Oh, you've just shared so much information with us today. We really thank you so much, David. So once again, let's have your website and your uh, email address. Yes. Uh, You can contact me, uh, David, at Space Command, or you can find me on Facebook, David Raiklin, and uh, friend me as lots of artists and filmmakers and people from all walks of uh, life with my friends, or you can go to my website, David Raiklin, D-A-V-I-D, R-A-I-K-L-E-N.com, and uh, go to Music for Instant Gratification. Uh, I hope I can uh, talk to some of you more and answer specific questions. Again, I'm happy to do a free consult on uh, music, on uh, songwriting, on crowdfunding and promotion and and how to build an audience. I just love working with with new people as well as my uh, wonderful friends who I've uh, worked with for decades. Wonderful. Thank you so much, David. And please give our regards to your son, Sterling. We just think he's the greatest. (laughs) uh, Thank you so much. He loves you guys, too. And uh, we'll, we'll have to get together for uh for lunch sometime. <laughs> yes, definitely. Okay. Thanks, David. Thank you, Claire. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Thanks, Thank David. You, Carol. Okay. Mm-hmm. See you in the Have future soon. Day. Thank you. Bye bye. Be well everyone. Take good care. Okay. Bye. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.